Okay, our, our big issue this evening, uh, you can see the title coming up on the screen is, Will Christians Know One Another in Heaven? I'm sure it will come up eventually on the screen. Will Christians Know One Another in Heaven? If you're a believer and you've lost a loved one who is also a believer, one of the most significant moments in your grieving journey is that moment you stand at the grave and the body of your loved one has been lowered into the grave and maybe the minister or the pastor has conducted the little funeral service And there's that very, very powerful moment when you walk away from the grave and your heart is breaking. Your heart is aching. It's goodbye. And yet, as a Christian, you you find yourself asking the question, but will we meet again? And if we meet again in heaven, what's it going to be like when I meet my mom or my dad, my husband, my wife, my brother, my sister who was a believer? What's it going to be like when we meet our saved loved ones in heaven? And all those questions are highly emotive questions. I have asked them. I have my mom and my dad are both in heaven. And and when I buried them, I asked myself those questions. And I've journeyed with so many Christians through grief. And after the funeral, when you go back to visit them in their home, they have asked these questions. Jonathan, what's it going to be like in heaven? Will we really know each other in heaven? And you know, we can speculate. I can tell people, well, this theologian said this, or another theologian said the other. But ultimately, our foundation stone with all of these big issues is the Word of God. I've said it again and again. God has spoken in Scripture. He hasn't stuttered. He has spoken clearly about these big issues. And he has spoken, I believe, about this big issue of whether believers will know each other in heaven. I want to start with this first point tonight, the evidence of some biblical witnesses. What I want to do tonight is I want to call three biblical witnesses to back up my belief that I do feel Christians will know one another in heaven. Here's our first witness. It's factually a group of witnesses. Look at point A, Peter, James, and John at the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17, verse 4. You know that Matthew's gospel records for us the account of this amazing transfiguration of Jesus, the Son of God. And Peter and James and John are there on the Mount of Transfiguration and how suddenly Moses and Elijah appear with the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to what Matthew 17 verse 4 says. Peter says these words to Jesus. Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now stay with me a wee moment as we think through the implications of what Peter has offered to do for Jesus. Moses has died centuries before. Elijah has been taken up to heaven without death centuries before. 
And I certainly don't think that at the transfiguration that Moses and Elijah somehow had name tags on that they were Moses and Elijah. I think there was something about these two guys, these two men that made Peter, James and John recognize them even though they had literally never ever met them in their lives before. The truth is that both Moses and Elijah maintained something of their unique physical identity to such an extent, I believe, that the disciples who were steeped in the Old Testament recognized from their knowledge of the Old Testament these two significant key players in God's purposes in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. Now, of course, as I've already said, this leads to another question. How did Peter, James, and John recognize Moses and Elijah? Obviously, from their knowledge of the Old Testament. Elijah was the foremost prophet in the nation of Israel. He was a distinctive sort of guy. Moses was the great lawgiver in the nation of Israel. And to devout Jews steeped in the Hebrew Bible, Moses and Elijah were very important characters from their past. And what I'm trying to tease out is this tonight. From these three disciples' knowledge of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, they recognized that here was Moses and here was Elijah. So here was Moses and Elijah, who had literally been in the presence of the Lord for hundreds of years. And what was clear, what was clear to Peter, James, and John was, these are the guys that the Old Testament described. They recognized them from their knowledge of the Old Testament. That's our first witness tonight. Let's call our second witness. If we got point B there, there it is. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I love in the book of 1 Thessalonians how tenderly Paul speaks of his love for the believers in Thessalonica. Go to chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians verse 19. Look at his language here. What is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Here we see that Paul is joyfully looking forward to anticipating meeting these believers from Thessalonica. Where is he looking forward to meeting them? He is looking forward to meeting them in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Flick over just a couple of chapters in 1 Thessalonians to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul is talking about the last days. Listen to what he says in chapter 4, verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What's the background of 1 Thessalonians 4? It's the, believe, the believers in Thessalonica, they had a concern. What was their concern? Their concern was about Christian loved ones who had died. And their big concern was, will they meet their Christian loved ones who have died, who have gone on before them? And Paul is teaching, when Christ comes again, the dead in Christ will rise first. 
And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Now let me ask you tonight in light of that verse, what comfort would that great truth be if these words didn't mean that these troubled believers would recognize their loved ones who have died before them in Christ Jesus. Paul's point, Paul's compassionate heart for these believers at Thessalonica is don't sorrow hopelessly because as believers you're not going to be parted forever. You will meet your saved loved ones again. And that's why at the end of that passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. And they would only be an encouragement in the fact that one day, ultimately, believers are going to meet the Lord, but believers are going to meet each other in the presence of the Lord. Here's the third biblical witness I want to call tonight, and it's a sort of a slightly different biblical witness. The very nature and activity of heaven points to knowing each other. The very nature, the very activity of heaven points to believers knowing each other. Heaven is revealed to us in the New Testament as the Father's house. It's revealed to us in the New Testament as the believer's home. We all know so clearly John 14 verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions, whatever translation you seek to use. If it not would had not been, I wouldn't if it if it were not so, I would have told you so. And how can you imagine the children of God in the Father's house in heaven? not recognizing and not knowing each other. But heaven is also described as God's family being together. Listen to Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom God's whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What a strange family the church of Jesus Christ would be in heaven if we did not recognize each other in heaven and converse with each other in heaven. Every believer's name is written in heaven. Names represent what? Names represent personalities. So if our names are written in heaven, I believe we will know one another in heaven. According to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16, heaven is spoken of as a better country. And in this world, we know the Lord through faith. In this world, we know one another as our brothers and sisters in Christ. But in heaven, we will know Jesus face to face and we will know our brothers and sisters in Christ in a more intimate fellowship and communion. So what have each of our scriptural witnesses told us? I believe they have told us all the one thing, that there's a recognition of saved 
loved ones in heaven. And so having established that first, if you want to call it, building block tonight, having established that Scripture teaches us that there will be some knowledge of believers knowing one another in heaven, I want to build another building block on that. Look at point number two. What will our relationships be like in heaven? Again, this is a question that's often asked. I mean, how will we know one another in heaven? Well, let me endeavor to answer this question with three points tonight. Here's the first one. What happens to the marriage relationship in heaven? If we believe that we will recognize our saved loved ones in heaven, then what about spouses? What about marriages where both husband and wife are believers? Will we still be husbands and wives in heaven? Now, if we go to the Matthew 22 passage we read earlier, in Matthew 22, verses 25 to 28, the Sadducees presented this scenario to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was the scenario? It was the scenario of a woman who had been married many times. In fact, she'd been married seven times. And they came with this big question. In the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? And look at how Jesus answers the question. Matthew 22, verse 30. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. What Jesus is clearly teaching is that there will not, neither be marrying nor giving in marriage in heaven. And lots of people ask the question, well, why will that be? The answer is there's no need for marriage in heaven. One of the reasons God established marriage in this world was that Adam was alone in the garden. Genesis 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And Eve was the solution to the problem of Adam's loneliness. Someone who would come alongside him as his companion and go through life alongside him. Can I remind you that in heaven, there's going to be no loneliness. Believers will see their Savior face to face. Believers will be surrounded by a multitude of believers. All the church of Jesus Christ will be there. But bear in mind that God also created marriage as a means of procreation, of filling the earth with human beings. And think about it, heaven will not be populated by procreation, by the intimate union of a husband and wife. Heaven will be populated with those who have had saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And also bear in mind, most importantly, that in heaven, every believer will be part of the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ will come back again as the heavenly bridegroom and he will come back again for his church, his bride. And therefore, there's no purpose for human marriage in heaven. But bearing in mind all I've just said, 
Some are maybe asking this question. Well, does this mean that in heaven we will not be as close as husbands and wives are in this world? Not at all. I personally believe that the relationships that we will have in heaven will be even closer. They will have a different format, but they will be even deeper and even more precious than the most precious relationships we've enjoyed in this world. Let me ask and answer a second question. Look at point B. What about difficult relationships? Among believers today, there are complex and often difficult family relationships. But in heaven, I want you to rest assured if that's where you're at, if you're in a complex set of relationships and family, I want you to rest assured that in heaven, there will be no more painful family relationships. All our relationships in heaven will be harmonious. Listen to Revelation 21 verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Look what Jonathan Edwards has said. Look at these words. They'll come up there on the screen. There they are. No member of that blessed world will ever be grieved with the thought that they were slighted by those they love or that their love is not fully and fondly returned. When we die, one of the few things that we will carry into heaven is our friendships with the people of God. And in heaven, those relationships will be perfected by the Lord. Here's a third question that people have asked me over the years as a pastor. Look at point C. What about relationships we have never had the opportunity to experience? Some believers have been through the pain of infants dying. Uh, just a couple of days, some couples have been through the pain of miscarriages. And they've said through the pain of miscarriages, well, will I meet this child again in heaven? When my mum was dying of cancer 20 years ago now, believe it or not, 21 years nearly, it was then, maybe back then people didn't talk about it, but it was then that she told me, there's four of us, but then on her deathbed, only on her deathbed, did she tell me that there's five of us and she had a miscarriage many years between myself and my brother? But will we meet children that have died in infancy? Maybe you're here tonight and you and your hobby have been through that awful pain of a miscarriage. Will, we, will you meet those children again? Well, let me show you my conviction from Scripture about this. Do you remember when King David, who was a believer, and let me stress, he was a believer, but a very backslidden believer. He had a child with Bathsheba, and the child took very ill. And what did King David do? He prayed and he fasted 
and eventually the child died. And when the child died, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said these very powerful words. 2 Samuel 12, verse 23. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Let me read that last bit again. David is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And that significant statement, I will go to him, can only be understood that David is believing that one day as a believer, he will go to heaven. And one day as a believer, he will meet the child that he had with Bathsheba in heaven. In light of this, imagine how glorious it will be for parents and children, for grandchildren and grandparents who have never had the opportunity of knowing each other in this world to enjoy getting to know each other in heaven. Let me take you to a third point tonight, a third main point, some encouraging application of this teaching. If all that we've tried to tease out tonight from Scripture is true, what's the application for us tonight in 2022? I reckon there's three points of application. Here's the first one. Point A, in heaven there'll be a lot of catching up to do. Let me say that again. In heaven, there'll be a lot of catching up to do. Listen to this verse, Matthew 8, verse 11. The words of Jesus, I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this verse is implying that believers will sit down together and fellowship together in the future kingdom of God in heaven. Now, you know in biblical times in the Middle Eastern culture that people sat down for dinner in the evening. And dinner in biblical times was not the sort of meal you gobbled down in 10 minutes. You sat down, you chilled out, you talked, you fellowshiped with each other, you caught up in all the news of the day. And that is one of the marvelous, biblical, exciting pictures of heaven where believers, yes, will fellowship, most importantly with Jesus, but fellowship with like-minded believers in heaven. And then I'm looking forward to turning to Paul and saying, Paul, come on, tell me what your thorn in the flesh really was. I'm looking forward to saying to Peter, and we were there for six weeks, Peter, what was it really like? I could only speculate. What was it really like that night when you walked on the water in the Sea of Galilee? Our loved ones who have fallen asleep in Christ. They are not lost. Hallelujah. They've only gone on before us. Look what the godly J.C. Ryle said. Powerful words. Look at these. There they are. Those who we have laid in the grave with many tears are in good keeping. You will yet see them again with joy. Believe it. Think of it. Rest on it. It's all true. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you've been robbed of a parent in your childhood. Or maybe you were robbed of an infant and you think, you know, why did that happen? Listen to me tonight. If you're a believer, one day, one day, you're going to catch up with them in heaven. Here's the second point of application tonight. Any lost experience in this world will be worth it all when we get home. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that all the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. A missionary in Eastern Europe was asked the following question. Is it not hard for you being so far away from your family? And the missionary said, yeah, it's heartbreaking at times. Every time I go home and furlough and come back again, it's heartbreaking. But in heaven, we will have all the time. In fact, there will be no time. We will have all of eternity to catch up. And I think they put it well. As we've been saying this evening, heaven is many things. But one of the things I believe heaven really is, is one massive eternal compensation. It's time, a time when lost relationships will be restored. Here's the third point of application tonight. Look at point C. I can't finish without challenging you. Make sure you're going to heaven. For those that are Christians here tonight, I want to encourage you. I, I think we, we don't think often enough about heaven. I can look back through my Christian life and the three significant times in my Christian life when I thought most about heaven was when my dad died when I was just 11. When my mum died 21 and a half years ago and five years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I have to confess to you, those were three times in my life when I thought a lot about heaven. I thought more about heaven than I usually think about heaven. But let me encourage you tonight. I believe if Christians are truly heavenly minded, we will be useful for Jesus in this world. We often use the expression, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly use. If we really caught a glimpse of heaven, hear me tonight, we would not be content to go to heaven alone. Isn't that right? I want to ask you, if we really believe all that I've been quoting from Scripture, if we really believe heaven is really like Scripture says it is, are we really, on all honesty, content to go to heaven without our loved ones who are not yet Christians? Are we content to go to heaven without them? Are you here tonight and your mom or your dad's a Christian? Your husband's a Christian, your wife's a Christian, your brother's a Christian, your sister's a Christian, but you're not yet a Christian. I want to tell you the time to become a Christian is tonight. Don't miss heaven. Hear me, don't miss heaven. Heaven is far too good to miss. 
Revelation 22 verse 17 says, The Spirit and the bride says, Come, and let him who hears me say, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Can I say to you tonight, the door of opportunity still stands open. The door of opportunity still stands open. It's still the day of grace. God is still, to go back to this morning's sermon, turning to his church and saying, will you be useful to me? But there will come a day when Jesus comes again and the day of opportunity will finish. And there'll be no more opportunities to evangelize. There'll be no more opportunities to get ready to go to heaven. When Jesus comes again, those that are saved will be saved eternally. And when Jesus comes again, those that are lost will be lost eternally. Will Christians know each other in heaven? Yes, I believe we will. I don't understand all the intimacy of our relationships, but in light of the scriptures that I've tried to handle tonight, I believe we will know each other in heaven. But most importantly, I believe we will see Jesus in heaven. And he will know us and we will know him in a far more intimate way than ever before. So let me ask you, are you content to go to heaven alone? Are you? W.P. Nicholson was an evangelist in Northern Ireland many, many years ago. And God used him. If he was in churches today, I reckon he would be thrown out of many churches. He was very different. But God's touch was upon that man. And he he said this on one occasion. If Christians really believed what the Bible says about heaven, the devil wouldn't have any friends left in this world. What did he mean by that? He really believed, meant that we would be passionate. We would be passionate about saying, listen, heaven is real. Don't miss heaven. When did you last share what the Bible says about heaven with someone that doesn't know Jesus? Are we really content to go to heaven alone? Heaven, it's real. Listen, for you and me, if we're Christians, it's just a heartbeat. Once my heart stops beating, it will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. If Jesus comes again, it will be immediately taken into his presence. That's how near, that's how exciting it is being a Christian. But listen, there are multitudes in Kilkenny tonight And they're not ready for heaven. And they swallowed the devil's lie. They think because they've been baptized, they've taken communion, they've never done anybody any harm. They're going to heaven. And they've got it so wrong. 
Are we content to go to heaven alone?